Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. And I am J.P. Miller coming to you from rural Virginia. Guys and girls, today's episode is 106. JP 106, my man. I mean, this is, uh, we're getting up there. It's a, it's a good day, right? The first week in November, uh, coming off Halloween. Uh, how, how does the Miller family celebrate Halloween? How does that shake down? Uh, we don't, we don't do anything. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we used to, we used to do some stuff and, uh, now our daughter's older and she doesn't do anything. She still eats candy, but she doesn't, you know, cause to go trick or treating or anything. And where we live at, we don't really get trick or treated. So we just kind of, it's, it's just another day for us really. Yeah. She's a little, <laughs> she's uh, old enough to be cool. And so, uh, yeah. right. Yeah. I get that, man. She dresses up for school cause everybody does, but she doesn't, she's not going out there, you know, going door to door anymore. So you did Which, not, you did not put on a costume for Halloween. Is that what you're telling me? I dressed up as a mechanic. <laughs> I went and worked on some cars. <laughs> right. Right. I got it. Uh, well, I will admit uh, man, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to admit here that, uh, yeah, I, I was invited to a, uh, party, Halloween party, this, uh, in my neighbor, uh, so in, very close to my house. And it was a come as your favorite Stephen King character. So I did what I do, which is go way overboard. And <laughs> I turned the golf cart into Christine, a 1958 Plymouth Fury, which uh, if you know those of us who know that movie, Christine um, is kind of psychotic after the nerd rebuilds her. And uh, she, as the, I think the movie says, uh, body by Plymouth, soul from hell. And it is, uh, so we, anyway, I ended up driving the golf cart, this uh, overbuilt, you know, kind of uh, thing with, I put massive headlights on it, you know, over, did the overkill on the headlights so that I could blind everybody, kind of like uh, they do in the movie. Anyway, I ended up driving the golf cart around the neighborhood half the night. So that's, oh, that's cool. what I did. <laughs> I mean, if you can believe that. Yeah, shoot, sweet. That's a, that's a good idea. 
I figured you say you you drove it drove it through your neighbor's front door or something. Well, you know, like yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I, the movie. Yeah, I didn't drive it through the front door, but <laughs> but I did drive right up on them and then flip the high beams on. You know, like uh, and they're like, "What is going on here?" So yeah, it uh, all it worked out very very well. But yeah, um, I'm not convinced. I, I, that's a great idea is to convince turn your golf cart into Christine, but. In this case, it all worked out pretty well. So a good time, a good time on Halloween. If I if I wasn't working on cars like you were, absolutely. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. So we're in November now. Uh, man, it's hard to believe we're almost to the end of uh, 2022. Most of the season has wrapped up at this point. There's a few major events still out there on the calendar. Uh, man, the big radio race was just happened over the weekend. But JP. We're going to do something we never do today, which is no guest. No guest today. We have a bunch of great topics. One that I think is going to be really fantastic for our listeners. We've got a handful of incredible topics, but we had so much to discuss. uh, There really was no time for guests on this show this today. So um, do something really out of the box, uh, something we never have done, but but we don't have any guests for people today. We just have some incredible topics, and I can't wait to dig into it. I mean, I think it's going to be just one of the most fun episodes we've ever done. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. Don't don't team off just yet, though. We'll get to it. Uh, do not let the cat out of the bag, but we have some great topics to cover. So guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute clean the shop, or work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And JP, we have a really interesting topic to discuss here today. And this this uh, activity, this incident, if you will, happened out in Vegas at the national event in Top Dragster, and I'm going to relay to you the way I understand it. And then, JP, I need a little help from you to help me out on what you would do as a promoter. Put your promoter hat on like you uh, are and have in the past and tell me what you would do in this scenario. So the way I understand it, well, national event, top dragster, there are 35 cars trying to qualify for those 32 positions. The number 32nd qualifier qualifies at what I think was a 685. So generally speaking, the rule would state, or at least I believed the rule up until earlier this week, I believed the rule to state as such that you could dial anything, um, including a tenth over what the final qualified position uh, qualifies at. So in this case, if it's a 685, it would go to a 695. And in this scenario, what happened was the 32nd qualifier uh, couldn't make the couldn't make the run for couldn't come up for first round so that car could not make the call for first round 
So the alternate stepped in, the 33rd qualifier stepped in for 32nd qualifier position. The odd thing happened at that point. At that point, the 33rd qualifier, who is now running in 32nd position, couldn't dial within the 10th of the 32nd position. So in our scenario, not a 695, but he could only dial a 698. So he was kind of out of that, that thing. Um, so it brought up the, the question, does the, if you have an alternate, does the 10th rule go from the 32nd qualifier position or does it go from the alternate qualified position? Uh, if that makes sense. JP, did I lay that out right to uh, have a have a correct discussion over such a thing? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, I think generally in most sanctions, I think it just switches to the alternate. Um, and I've actually been in a position to be an alternate before, but where I was down was within a tenth of what the bump would have been anyway. Okay. But I never really thought about what would happen if you had somebody that was, you know, outside of the 10th. But I guess, I guess it goes to the alternates position because technically they're in now. So you're going off of where they qualified at. Um, but I, I could see where, where some people would, would, uh, would have some discussion about that. I actually used to run a series that you had to die within a, a 10th of your of your qualifying like not the bump but a tenth of where you qualified at um and that was the rule and some people liked it some people didn't like it uh generally in my races i like everybody to be within a tenth of the bump um because i think that it just keeps the i think that it keeps the integrity of the race better um because what you don't want as a promoter is if you got a guy who can say he can spray heavy and he goes out there and, you know, qualifies really well. And you got a guy that maybe can't run. Let's just say, for instance, maybe he can't run faster than 480, but he gets in or he could have got in at 16 and he gets bumped out by a guy that goes 479. And then you got a guy that can spray heavy and go 430. And right. then he comes back first round and dials like, 490 because he takes a spray off the car you don't really want to you know you got a guy sitting there going well dang he's slower than me but i'm sitting here out but you know it's off of where you qualify from so i think that i think that it goes off of the the alternate's qualified position but i could see where people would make a case of well they didn't even run they're not within a tenth of you know the the, the true last qualifier and you know, I could see where that would be some discussion. I don't know that you change that because you you, you got to have a 32 car field. And if you put in an alternate, you kind of got to go with whatever they can run. Um, well, it's interesting because I think I would yeah. have been with you initially on this when I first started thinking about. But ultimately, aren't we determining the qualified field? So what we're doing is we're qualifying a field and we're creating a bump spot. And right. doesn't the alternate need to run within that qualified field parameter? Um, I I'm feel like we're we're not qualifying fields then if we're uh, I mean we're qualifying positions, not not a ET. 
field that way. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that the alternate should get that luxury of saying, okay, now that I'm in, now the bump spot moves. I'm not convinced right. that's a thing. The other thing I had right. to think about is, and you know, I've always had this in my head about the 10th. You know, I've always had this 10th rule in my head, but in the eighth mile, should it really be um, five, should it be five hundredths or should it still be a 10th? Because I mean, eighth mile to a quarter, I mean, shouldn't we, shouldn't we have some consistency with that as well? Yeah, uh, you could go either way. And, and like I said, you could make a case for either one. But if you're if you're in a position of, uh, as a promoter or a sanction, what do you do if that car can't run that fast? Do you not let them run? And, and then you then you got to buy run. And, you know, so it's but I, I could understand that. And there was probably somebody who was like, I, I could have got a buy first round. <laughs> yeah. Know, trying to, yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to politic for you know not letting them in um so it's a it's a it's a rough decision because you want you want to have a full field but you also want the field to be as fast as it can be when you're talking about a qualified field so it's just it's kind of a you darn if you do and darn if you don't really right and i think in the nhra's position what they actually happened was they let the 30 the they let the alternate dial whatever they wanted to what they qualified at so it did ultimately increase the bump spot or that bump ET, and it, and it didn't cost um, anybody around. Like they that alternate right. lost first round, so there was no real uh, penalty for you know to the uh, to the opponent that way. So it, it wasn't really hurtful in any way, shape, or form. That said, it did bring up some real thoughts uh, in terms of was that the best way to approach that? Was that the best way to handle that? And to be fair, I'm not exactly sure what I would do in that scenario because, um, you know, I, I think there is some validity to saying, Hey, the, the bump is the bump, right? And that's, that's what we're trying to do. Because also you get into, if you think about it, you get into okay, like I said, you got guys that'll you know they go out there and they get qualified and then they kind of back the car down to, to run elimination. So right. if 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 you get an alternate in and he's slower, then you might have a guy say, well, shoot, I'll just dial within the tenth of what he is, and then you you know, I could see where it could take away from the integrity of the field. So yeah, I mean, I think there's some validity even to say like you can't back it down a tenth. Like you should, you have to run within you know. 500 or 300 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, really kind of an interesting scenario. One I have not seen in the past. Um, as a promoter, you think you would go with the alternate, uh, you would create a new bump spot. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Um, yeah. Cause I've actually had to do it, uh, this year at our first race in Maryland, we actually had to put an alternate in because we had a guy get sick, but he was only, 200 slower than gotcha where that guy qualified so real that wasn't really an issue i don't know if it had been yeah i don't, I don't know what i would do i, I mean i would want to have a full field so i probably would unless it was just if it was something crazy like two three tenths then i might have to you know look at it a different way but 
Yeah, uh, I would I would say that, yeah, I mean, that that would be the tough call. And, and certainly you yeah. don't want to be making up rules on the spot. I think that's the that's that's the other thing. That's the curse, right? That or that's the easiest way to get racers really upset at you. Right. Even if it's the right thing, making up rules on the spot is the worst thing a racer can deal with. You know, they want to be able well, to go back to the rule book in some way. Yeah. From from what I've learned in my short time promoting is you have to be consistent in what you do and put it on the flyer. You put everything on the flyer and everybody knows what they signed up for. And then that way you don't really have any discrepancies or when something comes up, you can say, Hey, it's on the flyer. So, so it's kind of a, yeah, uh, from a promoter standpoint, it's kind of a double-edged sword. From a racer standpoint, it can go either way. Some racers don't care. Some racers care. You know, I mean, I'm sure the guy who got in as an alternate was happy. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, no it's just, it's one of those things. It's a weird, it's and that's a weird scenario for that to come up like that. So you don't, you know, how many times is that going to happen? Generally, most of the guys who are right on the outside are just outside of the qualifying. It's, it doesn't drop off, you know, dramatically. So, yeah, the good news I think uh, for all of this is that we actually had a bump spot, and for me, that is uh, that's a, that's a win this year anyway. Yes. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. Guys, girls, JP, we're going to do it a little bit different this week. I mean, typically we would have a driver of a top sportsman and or a top dragster um, here with us today. But what we're going to do is go off the rails. We're going to get way out of bounds and we're going to talk about uh, maybe one of the most prolific drivers in all of motorsports getting in the seat uh, in a legal NHRA ride. And we're talking about Smoke, Tony Stewart getting down in top alcohol dragster. JP, did you see all this action and my man coming out hot the first time ever? I was trying to keep up with it as best as I could. I didn't get a chance to to see any of it but i heard about it and i think it's awesome um easily one of the most recognizable faces in motorsports and i think it just it, it shines a great light on drag race yeah i mean for those that are a little bit out of the loop living under rocks and in caves and not allowed out in daylight hours tony stewart married to leah pruitt who runs top fuel tony made a huge investment and is you know, funding her ride, Matt Hagen's funny car ride, and has decided he's caught the bug, right? Caught the bug. I know he's had a little bit of seat time, but he said, hey, I'm going to go and run in a fuel dragster, and which is obviously the stepping stone to top fuel. And so this Vegas event was his first national, first event ever um, where he's actually competing, not just making test passes. Uh, the McPhillips family has a top alcohol dragster that, you know, is very well suited and, you know, capable of winning all of these events. So uh, Tony straps in that mobile one car there and gets after it. Now, this is his first NHRA event ever. 
And my man goes right to the finals, which is unbelievable. Uh, apparently, he's he cut some really good lights, going 520s at 275-plus miles an hour. So, I mean, as good as he's been on the dirt, as good as he's been on the oval, he's never been 275 miles an hour before. So, at least not in competition. So, I mean, this is a big deal, and he cut good lights, and obviously he's a pro so that was a big, big deal. It goes right to the finals in, in his first event. Now, here's what I think is fascinating. He meets up, he meets up in the final with Madison Payne. Madison Payne is also in her first top alcohol dragster event ever. And she goes to the final. So we have in the final, we have two people that have never competed before in top alcohol dragster. In Madison Payne, who's a college student, beats Tony Stewart by two thousandths of a second at the stripe. She uh, she gets a whole shot win. Um, Tony was a good sixty five light, but Madison Payne was a sixty one. So that's how close this thing was. She she wow. you know is four thou better on the on the tree wins by two thou at the stripe. I mean, what an unbelievable drag race! And you're talking about you're talking about uh, you know a future star in Madison Payne against an already cemented star in Tony Stewart in Top Alcohol Dragster. I don't think you know that class has had that much excitement in quite some time. Now I would say uh, that's a that's a great way to start your weekend in Vegas. Um, <laughs> first time in the car to go to a final and win, and to go to a, to a final and runner up. And that, that just goes to show the competitive nature of somebody like Tony Stewart. I mean, the guy gets in, you know, doing something that he's never done before. But you, and everybody knows that the man can drive darn near anything. So, it, but he locks in and 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 goes to the final. And and hats off to Madison Payne also for, you know, is that um I'm assuming that's she's some relation to Jay Payne. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, the pedigree is definitely there for, um, for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you would you wouldn't you wouldn't expect anything less for me for me the. Uh, yeah, they've yeah, got. I, I'm, I'm 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 really impressed though. I mean, that's for the first time doing it for both of them. That's that's impressive. Um, and your point about Madison Payne is is well noted. I mean, obviously, well prepared car, but I mean, the pedigree there. She was may have been her first event, but she knew exactly what it was it took to get down there. And here's what I will say about Tony Stewart. And I mean, uh, just so, so people know, I've, you know, um, Leah's crew chief, Neil Strasbaugh has been on the show before, um, had an opportunity to talk with him, you know, quite a bit here over the last year, just, um, understanding kind of the struggles they've gone through this year in terms of just having to build a team from scratch. Um, now the good news is Matt Hagen's team has has had some success. Matt actually won the Funny Car event out in Vegas, so you know Tony had a good good weekend overall. Um, but what I will tell you is this: Tony Stewart is like he he's a racer through and through. Like what he does is he manages the fuel for Leah's car. I mean, when things get done, he's not. You know, he's not uh, just sitting back pointing and going, hey, let's let's get that change over. Like he gets in there and, yeah. you know, he's he's dirty at the end of the day. Like and so, I mean, 
I don't know how much more you can respect that guy. I mean, because it, at least for me, it is off the charts in terms of the respect level I have for that dude. Because not only uh, does he write checks, but he's in there doing it, and he's you know doing it with his wife. You know, the, um, I think we've all complained about our our wives spending a little bit too much money, but man, uh, boys, I'm telling you. If your wife wants to drive top fuel, um, you will always be happy when she comes home with the new pair of shoes or the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, a little, one more dress or whatever. I mean, my goodness <laughs> gracious, uh, that is a big expense running top fuel. So we, we've all complained uh, to no avail compared to Tony Stewart. That is for sure. Yeah, he's a uh, he's de- he's he's definitely you know to me an icon in motorsports, and he's he's the he's the type of racer that 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 you like to see when you you know when you come from a race and a mechanical background, um, and like you said, he gets in there and gets it done. Um, and apparently, I mean the the word is that I mean he's he's uh, not happy with the NASCAR stuff that's going on over there. I mean it really feels like he's he's about to make a run, and I. I probably wouldn't shock me if he was in a a fueler next year you know it wouldn't shock me at all and it feels like he's um really moving away from you know what we would say the roundy round stuff and moving to uh, the straight line stuff so i I love it i love every single thing about it yes that is awesome and if if he ever wants to have a top sportsman car out there tell him to call me (laughs) right right i'm sure he's getting plenty of those calls yeah i'm sure he's getting plenty of them (laughs) <laughs> plenty too. Uh, on a side note, how did how are they getting Hagen into these cars? Jeez, have you, that guy is huge. <laughs> yeah, my man is. Uh, he he, you know, gets in the weight room. He throws iron above his head. He he chews on those creatine packs. I mean, he's yeah, he's yoked and good for him, man. Like, uh, there's yeah. a lot of evidence that says. You know, cancer doesn't really attack muscle; it attacks fat, and so good for him for uh, really taking his his physical health, in, you know, in, under his own hands. But yeah, it's there's not a whole heck of a lot of room in those funny cars, and you know he's you know he he's he's, he's all of it. yeah man he's not <laughs> he doesn't need the foam seat like he just scrunches himself in there and he's going. <laughs> Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high-horsepower legal needs, get to DragRaceLawyer.com. JP, we've got some action to report on. Um, We've got uh, a couple of series that finished up over the last week or so. And so they have named their national champions and then we have some really interesting conversation that goes uh, around the final weekend of sportsman racing in the NHRA. What do you want to start with? Uh, who should we talk about first? Oh, uh, I guess we'll talk about the champions, and uh, and then we'll move on to to the to the other thing that isn't finished yet. Um, looks like uh, in PDRA, all of that's wrapped up. So, and your top sportsman. Elite, you had Henry Underwood edging out Chris Nyergis for the championship. Um, and uh, Buddy Parkinson coming in third. Uh, top sportsman regular, 
looks like Joe Rubichek held off Nick Maloney, um, and that came down basically to the World Finals to settle that one up. And uh, Robbie Crenshaw ended up finishing third. Um, top dragster elite, you had uh, Larry Roberts over Steve Furr with Peter Maduri coming in third. And top dragster regular, Tisha Wilson over Frank Falter and Nick Maloney coming in third and top dragster regular. So that wrapped that series up. Um, yeah, I would say, crown. yeah, I would say, man, that, that was a heck of a race, right? I mean, Henry Underwood um, had – an unbelievable season. Um, just, yeah. I mean, just very consistent and went round, went a lot of rounds. Uh, Joe Rubichek on the, you know, top sportsman side, um, man, just, just went and did work every single weekend. And then one kind of at the, I mean, it was a, it was really kind of um, nip tuck down the end. Right. I mean, he, he had yeah. one extra round. I mean, that's all it was was just one round. Yeah, it came it came down to the wire. I actually um I had seen Nick at the World Finals and uh I was like, You did you lock it up yet? And he was like, No. <laughs> and, and uh so it ended up being a room check. But um Which is kind of yeah. stunning because Nick Maloney had I mean, really maybe from this or kind of late last year to mid this year, one of the best runs that's ever been put together i mean he was in final after final and maybe he feels like that because it's top sportsman and top dragster every weekend and maybe he split some points there but what an unbelievable you know uh year he had even though he didn't come up with the championship yeah he had a great year i mean he to fit, finish second in the overall standards and then third in the overall standards in two different classes. I mean, that's a that's a great accomplishment for anybody. Yep. And, and it's got to be tough because the guy's always in a car. It's it you know he's always strapping in. Um, he's kind of he's kind of living a dream though, right? If you're always in the car, yeah. man, that's uh like good for him. Good for him. We should all be you know that uh, we should all set our lives up like that. That's what we should do. Set Absolutely. our lives up. up. And then uh, Larry Roberts, what a great uh, run. Elite top dragster. You can argue is the toughest class, uh, maybe in all of drag racing in terms of competition and how tight that is and how good that you know everybody's equipment is. And then Tisha Wilson, you know, uh, kind of snuck up on some people. I think a little bit this year. And certainly, um, you know, when we're doing our picks, kind of we're, you know, we're not probably picking her, but she was very consistent and gets mm-hmm. it done. So uh, we better get her on. We better get her on and uh, talk about her season that just snuck up on a lot of people, including myself. Oh, yeah. She caught, she, she got them. She caught them. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> she caught them. Yeah. Good for her. What about, uh, what about if we move to the Midwest, uh, the Midwest drag racing series? What happened out there? How did they wrap um, everything up? Midwest, they they crowned their champions. Also, um, let's see. In top sportsman, you had Rod Moore edging out Mark Griffin, with Michael Chitty coming in third. And in top dragster, you had Anita Strasburg edging out. Uh, let's see, Delana Whiteley with Don Phelps coming in third. Um, so Midwest had a great season as always. Um, I think they had a few come down to the wire as well. And, yep. Uh, well, we said it before. Anita Strasburg, she she drives maybe more miles than anyone else in drag racing to get to. She, I think she's in Utah, if I remember right, and runs a lot in Texas. And it just seems like a lot of miles. 
but uh, maybe it's not quite as bad. We'll have to get her on the show and, and find out exactly what that's like a little bit. Um, but yeah, great season for her. She had a really good, good season last year too. So congrats to her. Congrats to Rod Moore for winning in Top Sportsman as well. Yeah. Congratulations to everybody who wrapped up championships. And looks like moving on to NHRA. Um, and Top Dragster, uh, it looks like Jeremy Hancock has it pretty much locked up. Um, Aaron Stanfield's in second, and then you got a friend of the podcast, Rusty Baxter, sitting there in third. Um, I don't think anybody's going to get around Jeremy Hancock, so I think he's pretty much got that wrapped up. Top Sportsman, uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. You've it it it's still going to come down to the wire, and and you you've got you know three guys. Uh, that can potentially, I mean, they're all within a round of each other. I will um, say this on the top dragster side. Jeremy Hancock has 600 points, which just seems kind of be the magical number that you have to reach in order to win a national championship. And he's sitting at 600 even. Aaron Stanfield has 524. He would yeah. have to have Jeremy not show up at Vegas, and then he'd have to win it. Uh, Stanfield would have to win the whole event. Jeremy was in top dragster in the national event. I'm sure he stayed. He's going to, you know, line up for round one to collect his 30 points and, and effectively lock Aaron out. But, but right. on the top sportsman side, brother, it gets wild. Um, talk about, yeah. talk about uh, who we have kind of all coming down to the wire here. Well, you got Don Mazir sitting in for first with uh, 534 points. Vince Hoda sitting in second with 527 points. Lance Abbott sitting in third with 524 points. And, I mean, you still got Darian Bosch back there in fourth with 504 points. Um, right. So, so you've got you've got three guys, Don Mazir, Vince Hoda, and Lance Abbott within one round of each other, right? All three yep. of those guys within one round. Then Darian Bosch, who we know is capable at any moment of hoisting the Wally, and he's he's three rounds back. But right. you know uh, that's a forty-eight car field. Uh, you know there's easy possibility somebody could lose first round, and then he could go on a run. So really, we've still got four people in the mix. Um, assuming Darian made the trip, and I, I don't know at this point, so I I'm assuming he did. But I don't know the way Darian goes at things. Um, you know, he he would obviously know, you know, have a feel for it and go, hey, listen, here's an opportunity. And I think what he knows, and a, and a lot of people kind of when they get to that position know is that no matter how confident you are in your machine, how confident you are in your abilities, championships and world championships only come around X amount of time in your whole career. And yep. I don't care if that is a ping pong national championship, or that is a top dragster national championship. They don't come around that often. And, uh, you know, Darren, we would expect to have a long career and man for a young guy killing it, but, but you just don't get those opportunities very often. So I, I'm guessing, but I, I'm not sure. And I, I just don't have the entry list at this point, but, um, yeah. Don Mazir sitting in the driver's seat, right? Leading has a, has a round on Vince Hoda and Lance Abbott. Yep. Uh, three on Darian. But 
you know, has to has to go win some rounds, has to um, you know do his thing. So it'll it'll be really interesting. I um, I for one will be glued to NHRA TV this this weekend just to, uh, or at least checking the rounds to see how it goes and yeah, just to see how it comes out because it, it's, yeah. it's it's great when it comes down to the wire like this. I, you, you like to see it. You like to see all championship championship battles come down to the wire like this. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And you know what I don't love is that you know somebody would have to go um, out west to Vegas. But it, in this scenario, there's nobody on the East Coast that has to make that trip. Uh, you know, it, you know Jeff Brooks is sitting twelfth. Well, he's an East Coast guy. He he didn't he would not gonna have to make a trip to try to win that thing. So you know you've got Don, Don Mazir on the West Coast, Vince Hoda. Um, you know, he can make that trip. It's not, um, well, I mean, he's, he's, he, what, he's in Texas, no, Louisiana, Texas. sorry. It's Louisiana. Yeah, so it's, Louisiana. it's a haul, but, but I'm sure when you're sitting seven points back, you know, less than around, you probably make that trip. Uh, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I think that's the only downside to all that stuff, but it's going to be fun. It, it really is going to be fun to watch those guys figure it out and see who becomes the NHRA top sportsman national champion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for a second. And JP, we're going to get way, way, way out of the groove and talk a little NASCAR, which we never do. We never talk NASCAR, but do you know why we're going to talk NASCAR this week, JP? I've heard some things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's really maybe the, one of the coolest things that's happened in motorsports in a long, long time. And I'm talking about a guy who I really didn't know anything about uh, a week ago, Ross Chastain doing what can only be described as a video game move to enter uh, the NASCAR version of the countdown. And <laughs> To set the stage, if you have not seen this, this is unbelievable. Some of the video out there is just fascinating. And it is absolutely awesome, if you ask me. I know there's a lot of opinions on this. I do. I know there's a lot of opinions out there. But they're all wrong. What the right opinion is this. It was fantastic. So let me set the stage here. Ross Chastain, I think, is in 10th um, at Martinsville. He needs to qualify in seventh, I think that's right, in order to make the countdown or get into the top four of the countdown. And so 10th isn't going to do it. So going into the last lap, his crew chief is saying, we need two spots. You got to get to eighth uh, place or seventh. And um, and so what my man does is instead of in turn four, hitting the brakes and downshifting and trying to cut the corner on the downside, he puts it in high gear like all of us have done if we've played any NASCAR game ever and just put it in high gear, ran up against the wall and around and slingshotted himself past five cars on the last corner in order to qualify for the top four. Of course, he has major body work issues uh, on the right side of that car to deal with when it goes back into the to the trailer. But 
he also gets the win he was looking for and moves on. And JP, have you seen these? I mean, is it unbelievable or what? It it was the craziest looking thing that I ever seen. I, I, I kept seeing people talking about it and I was like, what what is going on? Let me see what happened. And then I said, and I watched it and I was like, all right, well, he just got into the wall. And then I realized what was <laughs> what was happening. And I was like, wow, what like in that scenario to think of that that quick is just it's almost had to have been something that he he done well, at some point in his career before. Right. Like he did it and it looked like he had had that thing planned from the beginning of the race. I mean, he it was yeah. it, and he and he caught the crew chief off guard and and all the spotters and and it's what all is great is all the other drivers their mics are going, "What is going on over there?" and around he goes. And I've said this before like it it goes to show so it um, we talked about the NHRA video game, right? The NHRA video game came out on Xbox, and you know we have from time to time we've we've talked about, and I, I've used the NHRA drag racing games from time to time in the past. But what he said was, he goes, "Yeah, I used I used to do that move on the GameCube, on the Nintendo GameCube back in 2005, and that's how I learned that move." Now, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's <laughs> what? What? I mean, that's well, how well, he learned the move. Work, I, you, you know. I mean, I guess if you don't, if when you he, he didn't have anything to lose, so why would you? <laughs> <would>. Right. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the thought process going. Well, it worked on a video game, so it's going to work here. I mean, that is um, what we would say: balls of steel. That said, man, it was amazing. It was one of the best moves I've ever seen in my life. I was like, that that will make me watch NASCAR again. And I haven't yeah, watched it in a long time. Maybe it even converts Tony Stewart. I doubt it, but I mean that would be a thing. And and I he said, Oh yeah, I used to do that move on the GameCube, which is just fascinating from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Just the for him to to think of that in in that in that short amount of time and think, well, I'm gonna go for it right, and just see right. if it works. And I mean I, that's that's legendary. He's always gonna be remembered for that. That that's exactly right. I mean, he has cemented himself into legendary status with that movie. And what it did was it was the fastest lap time at that track by over two seconds. Think about yeah. that, JP. I mean, the I think uh, if I remember, it was like almost twenty seconds was the fastest lap time ever recorded, and he did it in eighteen seconds on that lap. So they're not going to come close to that record ever. And he, no. I mean, he's legitimately going to be in the record books forever for that move. Nobody's going to, because I, I don't see anybody else trying that, or they might end up coming up with a rule or something. But I don't. I don't foresee anybody in the future trying that. There's only one driver that I think that that other driver that I think would even try to pull that off. And he doesn't drive anymore. And that's Cole Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cole Trickle would do it. He absolutely would do it. Well, well yeah, because uh, what was his crew chief? He was like, I put a set of match tires on your car. Yeah. You can hold it now. Uh, yeah, match that, and staggered just right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> 
That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, Cole Trickle could do it only because he had the match tires. But uh, um, I will say this, though. There is a little bit of rumbling about how they should put a rule in to not allow that anymore. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's ridiculous. And I'll tell you why. Because it's very similar to where people say, oh, there should be, we should have more restrictive gun laws. And, and it's, it's very similar. Like, we already have a law that says you shouldn't murder people. So no matter how you do that, it doesn't matter. So that we've, the laws are... And similarly, we already have a rule, or NASCAR already has a rule that says you can't wreck people on purpose. And if you go into the wall and you happen to come down and wreck people, like, you would already be penalized for that, right? That you right. don't have to put in another law or another rule to say, don't do what we've already said you can't do. Exactly. Look, it, I'm going to just say this for everybody listening. We have enough rules, laws, restrictions. <laughs> we, we have too many as it is. We don't need more. Just like you said, um, it, it's not like that if you hit the wall in NASCAR that you're out of a race. Like It's not like drag racing where you disqualify. So, it, you know... You got to give hats off to the guy for thinking outside of the box and doing what he needed to do to put himself in position to win a championship. And and ultimately, as a sanctioning body and as fans, and isn't that what we want? <laughs> it's absolutely what we want, and it's absolutely what made Ross Chastain a legend. Well, yes, we're gonna have to go right to. Ludicrous speed. <gasps> Ludicrous speed. Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. All right, JP, as we hit the mile per hour cone, we are going to go way off track once again today. This is this episode is just a little bit out of bounds, which is fine by me and very, very cool. But I'm going to tell you about an incident that happened within a mile of my house, which, uh, which was pretty... Uh, interesting. So here in Indianapolis, uh, back in January of 2021, um, a guy by the name of Gabriel Sliman, or for now on, what we're just going to call him our hero, um, videotaped himself driving his Lamborghini around 465, which is the highway that goes circles Indianapolis at 213 miles per hour uh, and uploaded this thing. This this genius uploaded it to YouTube. So, um, and he, you know, blocked out his, his uh, license plate and, you know, tried to make it mysterious. But at some point, the, the views cranked up and it made the attention of the Indiana State Police. And just so happens when you watch the video, it, it goes within about a mile of my house. Uh, you can tell by the mile markers and stuff like that. And to be fair, this guy, you know, did go, our, our hero did do it at three o'clock in the morning. So there were less cars on the highway. That said, even at three o'clock in the morning, when you go 213 miles per hour on the highway, semis and other pedestrians come at you fast. And luckily, uh, this this dude did not hit anybody. 
All he did was create um, what was, I guess, a very cool YouTube video and, uh, you know, put it out there and, and was pretty proud of himself. Turns out, um, you know, almost 18 months later, the state police finally tracked him down and uh, gave him a speeding ticket and are going to take his license away for <laughs> quite some time. <laughs> now, now, what I thought was pretty interesting, JP, is that the, the state police, they calculated his um, mile per hour at only 198.98 miles per hour. So I don't know if they're trying to say that Lamborghini doesn't have a very accurate speedometer or what's going on there but but the for what it's worth the state police only ticketed him going 198 miles an hour for their for their calculation hey that's <laughs> i don't i don't think it changes the ticket any um but if he has a good enough lawyer, he might be able to get out of this. <laughs> well, he does have a pretty good lawyer because he does have a, a I mean, I'm shocked, but it, he does have a license to go to and from work, uh, to stop at the grocery store, go to church. Um, and But my man is like unapologetic, essentially. I mean, he's saying I'm fully addicted to increasing the performance of vehicles and racing them. And... <laughs> This hero says, let me reiterate what I like to go fast on the highway. That's what he says. No, hey. I mean, oh man, I, I don't know. I, I'm not mad at him. If I could afford a Lamborghini and then I'm sure I could afford a lawyer to get me out of all the trouble that I would probably get into with the Lamborghini. I don't know that I would do 213 or 198, but I, I probably wouldn't be doing 70, 75 either. So um, I'm not mad at him. <laughs> well, mean, <laughs> the, I mean, I, on one hand, it's very, very dangerous to be doing that. But on the other hand, you got to kind of give it up for the guy just to, I mean, well, it's so ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous. He got a speeding ticket for going 143 miles per hour over the posted speed limit. 143. I don't even know how you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't... And I mean, I get it. Like, you know, there are guys that do the cannonball run and all that stuff, and I'm I'm not condoning that. I but <laughs> get this. He has 24 speeding tickets. In the last fifteen years, twenty-four. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not. He he's not. At some point, down. they're not gonna give him the license back. No, they're just gonna be like, whatever. Like, hey, you take the bus from now on. Yeah. Like, take the bus anyway. Uh, guys, girls, I would never uh, give this guy attention. I feel a little bit like it's like the guys that streak on the football field and they we you know the cameras have agreed not to show him. You don't want to give any you know give any uh, props to those guys, but in this case it was so ridiculous and this guy is so unremorseful. It's it's comical and it went right by my house. I mean, I I was probably asleep uh at three o'clock in the morning when this guy did it, but it, man, it, it, he's so unremorseful. I I kind of, uh, you know, uh, I, it, it kind of cracks me up. I mean, it, you know, 
Yeah, for him to just be like, hey, I want to go fast. <laughs> well, this is this is a good quote for him, JP. This is, I quote, I needed a good stretch of clean road to pull it off. I can't imagine what those people, those people I passed were thinking, LOL. Like, yeah, so this, he does this not care. Like, <laughs> this wasn't spur of the moment. Like, he's... Oh no! He's been planning this. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, I hate to you know be the bearer of bad news, but hey, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, hero, there is a track that is literally four miles from where you did this, and and cars go two hundred and forty miles on an hour on it all the time, and there's plenty of space to go. Do not do that on four sixty five. Do it at IMS. Do it at Lucas Oil Raceway if that's what you want to do. But it is uh, kind of ridiculous to be doing it on the highway, even if it is in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. And, you know, you're trying to see if you can, uh, you know, peg peg your speedometer. So there it is, JP. That is the, hey, man, I paid for the full speedometer. I'm using the full speedometer report. <laughs> on the count of Let's bring this thing back in. We got way out of the groove a little bit there. We Let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. JP, let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 106. Um, and there it is. There's the wind light. There's the wind light. And you know what that means, JP. You know exactly what that means when we hear the wind light. Yes, indeed. The sweet, sweet sound. The sweet, sweet sound. Laura, that a girl. That a girl. I love it. Um, all right. Well, guys, girls, we had a great week this week. Um, we did not have any guests on. JP and I just got loose in terms of, man, just a lot of topics. So I, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, man. JP, we had a good time this weekend, didn't we? Or this week? I had a, I had a ball. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, some legal, some not so legal, but uh, we had we had good good conversations. Um, uh, guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, curse words for us, you know how to get at us. Probably the best way to use the Facebook page, Messenger. Uh, but uh, you, you know, reach out to us, JP or myself. Happy to have you talk about any of the topics we discussed today. Um, guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down. And travel safe.
Producer Chris, let me ask you this, brother. What is the fastest you've ever been in a car? In your entire life, not an airplane, in a car. Um, do you want to hang out with, with our boy, the hero, going to... 213 or what's the what's the fastest you've ever been in a car so the fastest i've ever been where i was driving was on a vtx 1800 motorcycle no and and it was certainly the case of i bought the motorcycle the speedometer goes all the way to here so i'm going to use every bit of it all the way i paid for it so, i absolutely I paid, paid for it. that i'm gonna yeah. see what it can do and so it it topped out at 140 and it did 140 and, and it went way faster than the speed limit that's for sure but, well, the speed limit is really a suggestion. Uh, it's it not, not necessarily uh, a rule. So, um, oh, okay. Um, nicely done. Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.